Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Riddles in the Dark, brought to you from the Mythgard Institute. And I am your co-host, Dave Kale, here as always with the Tolkien professor, Corey Olson and Trish Lambert. Today's topic on this most illustrious of all online Tolkien podcasts are fringe characters. And by fringe characters, of course, I do not mean the characters on the TV show Fringe. <laughs> which, of course, was an excellent TV show. Uh, and I did very much enjoy Joshua Jackson uh, on that, um, as well as, um, suddenly I forget the name of the actor who played Denethor, was also excellent on that. So there is an interesting Tolkien overlap there, but that's not what we actually mean. <laughs> what we specifically mean are sort of the black and white fringe characters of The Hobbit. The, um, the, uh, and by black and white, we're talking about the good characters, such as the White Council, and by black we mean the evil characters such as the Ring Raids, um, the Necromancer. Characters who in the book don't play a, you know, other than kind of Elrond, don't play a really critical or central role and are really not a part of the main story, um, maybe sort of touch it um, uh, uh, tangentially, um, but whose roles are being expanded, or so it seems, in the film adaptation. And um, and we've said this before, dating back to the very beginning of the podcast, that we think this is one of the richest areas uh, for for sort of innovation and novel storylines uh, for the filmmakers, and one of the ways in which they can connect uh, this Hobbit prequel to The Lord of the Rings, as opposed to a standalone story like the book is. So uh, we're very interested in this. We expect that there will be very interesting things happening on screen. And we're sure that you will enjoy listening to us talk about it. So let's get started. Excellent. Thanks, Dave. So uh, before we get into there, there are a couple of things. Of course, as we're as we near the release of the uh, as we near the release of the film, we are getting more and more promotional materials and things that are being released. And it's always fun to look at those things. And I was just kind of reflecting on that a little bit, you know, that um the question, just to, to sort of clarify, I think sometimes I think that you know one question that people that people ask or, or, or perhaps assume in that we are asking when we are looking at the uh, you know at things like movie posters or things like that um, is okay. What does this tell us about what's going to happen in the movie? And of course, that is a question that we're interested in. But for me, that's never the mo the the most important question because you know what we've been about at riddles at riddles in the dark from the beginning has not just been movie speculation in the sense of, you know, like, you know, a, like a gossip column would be interested in, um, but but doing analysis of the adaptation to be thinking, you know, I, I, I enjoy doing this because I love thinking about adaptation and I love thinking about that because I love comparing and contrasting two different versions of a story, just as I find it fun to look at the difference between, you know, two different Tolkien texts, such as two different drafts of a story that he wrote, and, and to, to look at the similarities and differences and where he's taking the story and, 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 and how those things work. So, too, I think looking at the adaptation of the film and thinking um, about what the filmmakers are doing and, and how they're telling the story and how their story uh, is similar and different from Tolkien's story. The thing that's even more fun in some ways about speculation is that we get to think about how we would do the story. You get to sort of, we, we get to kind of address the adaptation 
challenges from the beginning, even before we see. So, you know, more than just commenting upon the actual adaptation moves and decisions that Peter Jackson makes uh, to talk about the implications of those decisions before they're even made, I find is even more uh, is, is even more interesting. So that's with with that spirit, I would like to to, to look at. Um, some of these images that have been released in particular, uh, we were very amused and interested by the recent release of the uh, of the images of the Lego sets that they have put out. This is, of course, a whole uh, fascinating little subculture of of uh, film stuff. Um, but let me. And many uh, of the sets connect to today's topic. That's right. That's right. So we will we will keep an eye out for that. Let me show you guys. I'll put this up so that those of you who are attending live uh, can see it together with us. Um, there are uh, several different, four different Lego sets that we are looking at here today. This first one we have seen before and we've heard about it before, um, but just to look at it briefly again because we're getting a new image here, and that is. Uh, the Lego set called Lake Town Chase. Now, um, I think there are a bunch of things that are kind of interesting about this. Um, sort of looking at, you know, and I think there are, there are a couple different things that I think are, are really cool. One is to look at the elements of the set itself and what that suggests. And then secondly, to look at the, the way that this image has been put together. Um, now, that's one of the things that I really have no idea um, I have no idea how much the you know, sort of the action sequence that is depicted in this image, how, how much it actually connects in any way with the plot or action of the film. You know, is there any actual insight in that, or is are are the elements of the Lego set predetermined, and then you know the Lego marketing people you know position them in what they deem to be an interesting way? I mean, for instance, uh, there are several plot elements that are suggested here in this, in this image. If we just look at what's happening, you know, sort of the story of this picture, we have Thorin in a barrel. He, he doesn't look like he's driving the boat from the barrel. I mean, he totally looks like he is the captain of this vessel from inside, from inside that barrel. Um, but uh, he's probably going. He's probably going. <laughs> no, it does look. He's like, I'm driving my little boat. Uh, yes, that's what, that's what it more looks like. What it more looks like is he's not the captain of the boat, but he's pretending that he is. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, that's a little weird. But anyway, so we have Thorin in a barrel in a boat, which appears to be departing from Lake Town, and we have Bilbo, which, by the way, does not float. Where, yes, yes the, this is, of course, this is, yeah. Laura was pointing it out. This this is perhaps a spoiler here. Boat does not float. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, um, and, and, and can I just say, as as uh, toy disclaimers go, I find this one hilarious. I mean, I've seen the boat does not float disclaimer on Lego ships before, but that they would put it you know, under the title, like on the front cover, uh, that seems a little bit to really be uh, be doing their full diligence in disclaiming. Also, as a little kid, I think that I would find few fewer things less disappointing than that. Yeah, it is it, exactly. I, I can totally get behind well, that. Well, especially too. because the picture shows it on water. I know. Well, well that's undoubtedly the why they water, have to. Right? I mean, how disappointing. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, I, yeah, okay, guess... so. 
I guess this is preferable to buying it, putting it in, the, like, taking a bath and putting it in the water and watching it sink to the bottom. <laughs> right. It's probably exactly. worse. <laughs> exactly. All right, anyway. Anyway, okay, but, so yeah. back to the story of this image. So, all right. <laughs> um, so we've, we've got Thorin pretending to steer from the, from the barrel here in the front of the boat. We've got Bilbo holding his, like, torque-sized ring in his hand. Of course, Lego <laughs> rings can only be so small, so, you know, we understand why rings and keys are so absolutely enormous in a Lego set. Um, however, Bilbo with his ring and Sting in his hand, leaping from the dock onto the boat, which Thorin is somehow steering rapidly away uh, from Lake Town for some reason, while Bard, notice, is standing on the other dock watching on with his bow, though his bow put down in a non-aggressive uh, fashion. He doesn't seem to be firing at Thorin, uh, but yet he's standing observing this and, and while Bilbo's leaping. And here's the, ca- the master of Lake Town shooting a catapult at Thorin as he departs, trying to sink Thorin's boat, which as we know, doesn't float anyway. So, um, that, while, while the Lake Town guard with his funny hat um, is sprinting uh, over to... You can see the, see the motion lines. This guy is moving here. Um, now, Bard is moving too. He looks more stationary than the, way, than, than, the, than the guard does, but we can see he's got swooshy lines too. So, um, both of them appear to be running towards Thorin. So, the whole story that this picture suggests is Thorin departing Lake Town in a boat in a hurry. Presumably he's stolen the boat or something and is leaving against the will of the master of Lake Town and with against at least the knowledge, if not also the will of Bard uh, and the and the guard and also leaving or threatening to leave or attempting to leave Bilbo behind. Um, that, that anyway is my reading of the story that is being depicted here. Now, as we said, I have no idea, A, if I've fully interpreted that story correctly, or B, uh, if that story that this picture appears to tell has any connection to what actually happens in the film. Um, but it opens up some fascinating things. The fact that they have called it Lake Town Chase um, is, uh, is interesting. Now, we've, we've said before on this show that we are, uh, we tend to be a little dubious, uh, of Lego sets. Now we were joking about this during our trailer episode because there was a, there was a glimpse of, you know, Legolas, uh, and Toriel rescuing the dwarves from the spiders, uh, in a Lego set that was released before the first film, back when the first film was going to be one of two. Um, and, uh, and we were kind of hoping that that Lego set would turn out to be wrong. And then, of course, the second trailer suggests that it was not, in fact. Um, however, what I would put against that is uh, the Lego set that I actually have on the shelf in front of me uh, that was released with the first film. In fact, Trish, it's the one that you gave me at Mythmoot. Um, and this is the, oh, right. this is the yeah. Bilbo and Gollum Riddles in the Dark uh, mini Lego set. Um and it features Gollum and his little boat. It features the ring, of course, and Bilbo with Sting. Um, it also features a structure, because, of course, it's a Lego set, so it has to have a structure. And the structure is some kind of cave-ish thing, which seems to be meant to suggest that it's Gollum's house or something. Gollum, of course, doesn't have a house. It would be a little bit 
anticlimactic to have a Lego set in which you can build like a cluster of rock outcropping and boulders uh, <laughs> where the riddles in the dark confrontation happens. Um, but uh, but anyway, um, the thing that is more interesting about it is that the ring is uh, placed on the side of the structure like an ornament. I mean, it's 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 hanging up there like above the doorway of this little golem rock <laughs> house structure as if it were a, a display feature. And the title, as as this set is called Lake Town Chase, the title of that other one is called Riddles for the Ring. As if to imply that the ring is in fact going to be given as a prize to the winner of the riddle contest. Mm. Now, that of mm-hmm. course has fun and fascinating connections with the original first edition of The Hobbit back in 1937 um, when in fact uh, uh, the, you know, the, the, the issue of the ring being given as a present as a, as a reward for winning the riddle contest was in fact in play. Um, but I don't think that's what the Lego organizers were, were actually, you know, marketers were I'm actually convinced. alluding to. I'm convinced there's a, a, a Tolkien fan working in the marketing for that somewhere who who did that on purpose. Yeah. That it's anyone like, knows. Oh yeah, this is this is a this is a first <laughs> this is a first edition nineteen thirty seven Hobbit Easter egg for, for you know the people who Yeah. I'm sure that's what Lego was thinking. Um But anyway, my point is as far as both the plot of the book and the plot of the movie is concerned, the title of that Lego set, I think, is very misleading. Um, <laughs> Ray says, uh, Ray Burns, uh, one of our attendees says that that must be the Bilbo authorized version of the Lego authorized version. <laughs> Riddles in the Dark. Yeah, that, that's the Lego set that Bilbo designed in order to deceive the dwarves into thinking that, he, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. And then Frodo now, and Sam later on couldn't get themselves to change the Lego, Lego set. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's some other interesting things about this Lego set. First of all, the building that the master is standing on is apparently the jail. One reason, uh, two reasons. One is the uh-huh. sign outside the building is a lock. Right. And then there's also, yeah, there's the prison door right the there. door, yeah. Um, and I don't know what the heck is going into the water up below Bilbo, but it, maybe that's a window that they broke out of, you know, a jail oh, yes. window. Then the other thing is the... the the guard, if you notice the guard beyond the spear where he's at, that looks like an armory. It looks like there's actually swords yes. being hung up like brooms would be hung, hung yes. up. Yes, house. there's a rack of swords. But yeah, so that, anyway. I mean, I, yeah. I have to confess, as a, uh, as, a, as a Lego castle set collector from my youth, um, uh, both of these features are very standard Lego features. Um, that that ah, set right okay. there, that I, I can tell you that is definitely the bars of a prison cell. Um, that Lego configuration has been used for prison cell bars uh, in <laughs> the dungeons of castle Lego sets for decades. <laughs> and there have been uh, these kinds of sword racks and things. No Lego castle set is complete without a little rack of clips to hang the swords and things on. Um <laughs> So uh, those are those are absolutely uh, and of course this catapult design is also very uh, very very classic classic um, Lego yeah classic Lego right there um, but but you're right Trish I mean there does seem to be a prison Bilbo again this pic- this picture has Bilbo breaking out of prison the mere fact that when the Lego people said okay let's do a Lake Town set 
And they're like, okay, we need a Lake Town building. Um, so, you know, you've got the wooden piles and the brown uh, baseboard for the wooden decking and everything and the blue underneath. That's all cool. That all makes perfect sense. Um, but that they would say, okay, we have one structure. We have one house. Um, let's make it a jail. Um, that's that's fascinating uh, because it's <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to yes. imagine that they'd make that up out of whole cloth. I mean, would they? Do you guys think yeah, that they would right. also notice we have partial snow covering on the roof? Right, right. Is that is that and on the um, and on the decks too? And on the decks, yeah. Yeah. is that classic Lego style snow? Yeah, well, that's that's actually very unusual because, of course, normally, <laughs> normally the like the the old Lego sets that is that were not attached to particular films or stories um, were never climatically set like that. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yes, because like climate neutral. Yeah, yeah, they're climate neutral. Um, whereas this, of course, is not. Um, and we I see. I think this is. A, I think that's a good observation, Corey. Whether whether this sequence whether this is recreating precisely a sequence from the the um film i'm doubtful that uh i'm doubtful that at any point will the master himself be manning a, uh, <laughs> a catapult, catapult. <laughs> yes um but but this seems but it seems unlikely that they would invent a building specifically a jail out of nowhere right right exactly and um and and the mere fact i mean we've 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 talked, you know, before the trailers, we've talked in our analysis of the trailers of exactly how the dynamics between Thorin and company and the people of Lake Town, both the Master and Bard, um, are going to happen. You know, this is really interesting. Uh, you know, one thing that we have always been kind of imagining when we have seen in the trailer in both trailers that shot of the boat full of dwarves heading towards the lonely mountain um the shot which was the very opening of the first trailer and which also featured in the second trailer um we were i don't think we ever once thought that they might have like stolen that boat and sneaked out of town but this Lego set actually suggests that very thing, that that Bard might, you know, Bard does seem well, to be ferrying them from... on the way in. But could they steal the the boat and flee on the way yes, out? I, Brianna needs to um, confirm or deny this because she and I went through. You know, she'd done that whole uh, uh, putting everything, you know, the vlogs and the trailers kind of together in what seemed to be chronological order. Order. We did see a boat leaving from one of the canals in Lake Town. That it looked like there were people saying goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. You know, like they were being sent off. Right. Um, Dorothy being sent off, and I mean that's like completely opposite of what this Lego set seems to be implying. Yeah. So I, yeah. I'm confused. Yeah. I mean that I. So somebody was making. Uh, let's see. It was Diego Torres asked the question. Um, if they're if they're stealing the boat and running away, perhaps just broke out of jail. Why is Thorin getting back in the barrel? <laughs> just, because because boy, barrels really are obviously the way to travel around here. I mean, everybody yeah. who's anybody goes about in barrels apparently in Lake Town. Um, and I do. I wonder if. Um, I wonder if th I wonder if this is where sort of the extrapolation to the the film plot breaks down. Like, mm -hmm. 
I don't know that we should necessarily infer anything about um, about the sequence of events. You know what I mean? Like, like or, you shouldn't make too much of the fact that there's a barrel and Thorn's riding in it. Does that right. mean that Thorn will that they're going to break out of jail, flee in the boat, and be riding in barrels? Maybe, right. maybe not. It could be more. I, I think you know, and I'm not even sure we should make anything of the fact that the boat's departing. Um, and, right. and that Bard's there, you know. Are we meant to? Are we meant meant to to interpret this as? Oh, there's going to be a chase scene where they're escaping from Lake Town, riding on the boat with Bard or whatever. I don't think we. I think probably the furthest we could probably take this, uh, read from this is, there will be a boat, there will be a jail, there will be a character <laughs> known as the Master, there will be a character known as the, the Bard, and there then, will be a catapult. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, there will be a catapult almost certainly, although. <laughs> Lego tends to be pretty aggressive about um, uh, yeah. uh, Lego tends to be pretty aggressive about putting catapults on sets. Yes. So. Well, catapults they have do. been a cool I mean, the Lego God, the feature. The Goblin Town set had a catapult. Yeah. 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 No. And they never used that. So I'm. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm. Re I'm really. I'm curious to know what I'm looking at. What Brianna said. Um, you know, she did point. She points out that we did see chase-like things happening. Before they get their audience with the master, that that's a good point. So so maybe this is in fact sort of inspired by the sequence in which they are um, uh, uh, escaping into Lake Town as opposed right. to out of it. Right. And, and maybe maybe and the implication is they will end up in jail once they're caught. Right. And will only and and will then be sort of plead their case and be released. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I, 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 uh, James Spawn makes the really good point also. Uh, Thorin in this set is shown in like that uh, that blue under tunic that we see him wearing when he's escaping by barrel in the trailer. Not ah, his the you know whereas he gets the royal you know, garb, the nice fancy oh, right. yeah uh, uh, stuff when he's in the boat to uh, um, to uh, to the Lonely Mountain. So that does suggest that the overall concept of this is. Um, front half of the Lake Town sequence rather than right. back half of the Lake Town sequence. But but I yeah, agree. They, I mean, we have to be very careful because, you know, you could if you wanted to interpret this too far, you could be like, where are the other dwarves? Yeah. Yeah. Thorin's going to escape via barrel in a boat um uh Presumably steered. I guess I can't even tell where Bard is actually standing. Oh, I guess he's leaping on the boat as is Bilbo. Um Oh, he's leaving the other doors behind. I, I think I think that you can only take the extrapolation about the film so far. Yeah, well, especially since Lego is not going to include all those figures. Uh, I mean, yes, they, right. they 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 would never include like seventeen, uh, you know, figures in a set of this size. Like that's just that that has never happened. That would. Never I mean, they're already including five, which is quite a bit for right. for a Lego set. There's five figures in the right. set. Wow. Yeah. Bilbo, Thorin, Bard, the Master, and all a looking, red all, guard. They all, yeah. they all look angry. Yeah, though I, I'm, I, I'm fascinated to see what... I, I am sure that these have the famous like two-sided Lego heads um, where they yeah. have the two different faces yeah. that you can position if you turn their hair around. <laughs> and uh, I would love to see right. what Bilbo's <laughs> other face is. This one is not flattering. No. <laughs> But it's but it's you know often there's like one which is like a smiling face and the other is an angry face you know to like put when you're sending your Lego characters right. into battle, uh, but then you get some special characters. This is well, yeah, this is like I am, 
I don't even know how to describe the face Bilbo's making here. You know, it's like I think this is the when doctors ask you to point to the pain scale <laughs> one to ten. This is like somewhere in the eight to ten range. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, uh, uh, Ainsley asked if this was the quote unquote escape into Lake Town. Um, would could, do we think Lego could resist adding an elf or two? I, I think so. If you look, you know, if we if we happen if we manage to get to the other images in time during the course of this episode, <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll see a whole bunch of Lego sets with elves. They don't tend to, you know, they tend to kind of create motifs and yes. try to try to sort of balance, try to sort of distribute the characters across the motifs evenly. They're not going to put an elf in every single right. scene. Because you end up, then you'll end up buying several of these sets, and you'll have a billion elves. So it's they they figure you'll buy one of the other sets with an elf just so you can get an elf character. Then you'll play with him in this scene. I guess. Exactly right. Yes, they would want you to have to buy the second set to get to get the elves. Speaking of which, here is hey, the, an I, elf set. We were just yes. talking about that. <laughs> the Merkwood Elf Army. This one That's is an called. Hour later. Okay, so we have some orcs now. Notice. The descriptions down here, these are labeled as Gundabad orcs, which means Azog's people, presumably, though Azog himself doesn't feature. We have two uh, hooded Merkwood that, elf archers. That you have to buy the other set. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, and that's that's pretty common, <laughs> of course, with Lego sets, that they will usually make like a a boss set. The fact that you get Thranduil in this set, but not Legolas, of course. Um is uh is 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 pretty typical so you get one like major character but you'd have to buy a different set to get legolas or torio i'm sure so so we've got three do we have pointing elf oh huh sorry (laughs) yes exactly now we do get a war they should have one that says pointing elf (laughs) pointing elf they're pointing elf set yes (laughs) 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 yeah that would be awesome uh, so, okay, uh, this clearly seems to refer. Now, this one is interesting because this one seems to be connected with a portion of this of the film action that we've already seen more of, and that uh, I, I, th- that is to say, I assume that the the film scene that is being evoked in this uh, in this set is the one that we've seen where Azog jumps up onto the wall, like where we've seen Azog jumping up onto the wall, it seems like 47 times already. Um, uh, and, uh, and attacking that, that elf, that elven battlement there. Um, I assume that that's what's going on here. Again, these are Gundabad orcs, which is what was, uh, uh, what was associated with Azog in film one. Um, now we have noticed the action-packed Thranduil kicking off the ladder. Now this is another thing. Like, will we act? Does this mean that Thranduil himself is going to man the walls? Uh, the scenes we've seen in the trailers do not suggest such a thing. I don't think that that we need to conclude that. Um, but um, but it certainly it certainly does draw attention to the uh, to the ways in which the conflict between the orcs and elves is likely to be is likely to be a very significant thing in this film. I I don't know, I have much less to say about this one. You know you know who I'm dis I'm disappointed. Yeah, this is uh wait, what the heck is that thing firing out of the wall? I just noticed this. Oh yeah, it's got a they, they've got like a ballista thing shooting out of the wall. 
Excellent. Yeah, see, I, I hope that the well, and they also Thranduil has kicked the yeah. the um, the ladder over. You see yeah. his little star around his foot, and he's kicked the orc's ladder over. Yeah, and they've got these awesome hooks. That's pretty cool. I I hope I hope the implication is that there is in fact a thing that fires that little Lego piece oh, yeah. with the toy set. No, actually, I would feel pretty confident of that. Actually, um, see that <laughs> there the, isn't a disclaimer over there. Does not shoot. Does not shoot exactly. Um, no, see the uh, the <laughs> this this catapult model like that's classic. That's like a a classic like you know, 1980s Lego catapult, uh, thing. However, the like spring loaded, uh, uh, ballista bullets and things, those happen, but they're much newer. Um, yeah. And, they, uh, they also, I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb. I'm pretty sure that thing breaks after the 10th time you use it. You know, actually I have the biggest problem that I've had with those. Um, my son has some newer castle Lego sets that is shockingly newer than the ones that I used to collect when I was in the eighties. Um, and, uh, he, several of his have these, uh, little shooting things. And I, I have found actually more than mechanism failure has just been the loss of the missile. You know, you just, you, in fact, they, they tend to be pretty powerful. So you shoot the thing off and then you're like, wait, where did it go? That's usually the problem. But Anyway, uh, oh, and we we have a backside to this set too, so we can see a little bit more. We have a barrel of treasure here. <clears throat> this is a classic feature also of a Lego castle set, so I wouldn't read any plot thing into this. Uh, just as you will always find sword racks, you will also always find little barrels of treasure. It's a fun thing they like. Um, but um, see, like here, you've got the rack to hang your bows on, of course. You know what's interesting is the um, the warg thing looks more like the wargs from the Lord of the Rings films than it does like the um, the sort of the large wolves that we yeah. see. Yes, especially the, the eyes and the fish. Eyes, it, yeah. it does it does look like they're thinking the Lego people are thinking more of the old wargs than the new wargs. Or they got really lazy and just we already have a model for that. Yeah, right, they probably well, did. Yeah, I I'm really disappointed. <laughs> I, as far as I can tell, I don't see anywhere on this set the elf uh, who have you seen in the trailer who was pointing his bow at the tree. That's true. Though I suppose you could recreate that exciting action yeah. feature <clears throat> on your own. That's right. It could be the guy up here on the right. So. It could. Yeah, absolutely it could. Yeah. What is okay. going on on the right-hand side, by the way? Wait, over here? This? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So it looks like you can. Oh, there's a there's a little launching pad, so you can. Yeah, there's there's like a, um, a mechanism there. Oh, he's launched himself. So you, can, so you can lose your figures too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, see, there's a finger. Yeah, there's a human finger yeah, there. Yeah. See exactly. So you push. Yeah. See, it's it's so it's it's got a lever action here, so you can like launch this dude on an aerial kamikaze <laughs> attack against the the Gundabad orcs. Yeah. I guess it's because, like, shield surfing would have been hard to manage in a Lego set, but they can do this kind of thing. <laughs> they turn every everything in the set into a catapult. <laughs> hey, man, catapults are awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what do you want? <laughs> Ray points out that they should be saying finger not included. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, see, oh, and by the way, see, Dave, here's the mechanism for, uh, firing the, uh, ballista back here. See, there's, uh, a, you, you push that button and it fires it out the front. Yeah. 
that is super exciting. I it's like pretty that. awesome. Yeah, it's it's worth the another finger. Yeah, worth the uh, worth the cost of admission right there. Okay, next, <laughs> dull Gilder right, ambush. Okay, now this is where we get this is where things get really interesting. So we have Bjorn, who has one of the most fascinating hair and beard arrays of any Lego character I've ever seen. <laughs> Um, this is obviously head on down in the corner there. He's, yeah. he's got like a, it comes to a peak. At, at, oh, it's very <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that now, is that hair removable so that you can turn his head around? Oh yeah. It's gotta be all Lego hair is removable. I mean, almost all Lego heads. That's right. So that you can, yeah. so you can put it on Bilbo and try and mix and match. Yeah. And I love the fact that it comes with it, just a separate skull lying around. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that is yeah. that is um, both funny. extremely disturbing and seems like it would be terrifying for children. And all, but other than the fact that that will be lost almost immediately. Yeah, though you know this is though I think that that tells us something. The fact that when they're trying to do Dol Guldur, right? Like, okay, we're going to do a mini Dol Guldur set. Because this again, this is obviously one of their small cheap sets. It only comes with three figures. It's got the one little uh, vehicle thing, of course, with catapult, and it's got the and wheels, small, which is excellent, the small half <laughs> structure. Okay, but now, so so they're doing this small Dolgulder set, and they're they're the, the Lego people are asking themselves, all right, how do we convey Dolgulder? And their answer is, let's throw in a skull. Uh, let's put these spiky things around yep. the door. Let's make a red tree ish thing and um like <laughs> brown spiky What's arch the thing with spikes? Yeah, what is that? Yeah. That's thorns. It's like yeah. a cactus. Thorns. It's like decorative, it seems. Um you know to to like... to play off what we see on like the spiky armor of the of the right. orcs there. Um Ooh, one of the orcs comes with like spiky epaulets, and the other one doesn't. See, that's how you can tell this guy is the captain. Um, but anyway, I love I love Lego sets. Anyway, um, but what and I then get... you see the 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 moving the moving axes in the doorway there. Don't forget those. Yes, that's oh those see, oh look at that. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that. You have you. you have axe traps here, so mm-hmm. that if you're trying to go through the doorway, these these spring out. Is that, is that actually also a mechanism? Is there a me- oh, let's see. Oh yes, there is. Look, it rotates. It's on a thing and you turn it with That's your hands awesome. so that the axes come around and chop at you. Oh, and what is this thing here? That the thing on the right that he's turning. That's something different from the axes, isn't it? This? There's axes oh, on this side. This thing looks like I don't know. Oh, what and this one is. okay, it's got another ballista. Over here. Oh man, this set is this set is awesome. <laughs> I, I do think I do think somehow that something has gone horribly awry with the traps in that Bjorn is now appears to be inside the structure and the trap is hitting the orc. Yes. Inside. Yeah. Yes. Ooh, yeah. what is seven nine zero one four? That's apparently the other half of the, the, the other. Oh, because it goes set. together. Yeah. Yeah. They they go together. I think the next one we're gonna look at is one of these. Yeah. The next one we're gonna nine look four, at is yep. the seven nine yeah, one four. Ah. So yeah, you, you really can... want to have the if you want to have the complete dull Goldor experience. Yeah. And that's actually a really interesting move by Lego because, of course, they used to have things like that just as, like, separate huge castles that you could buy. But they, they ended up just, like, getting priced out of range for people. I could never afford the, like, King's Castle in the Lego set back in the 80s. Um, 
You know, Harold makes a good point that the orcs here at Dol Guldur have hair, and the Mirkwood orcs are bald. Yeah, it's just variety. That's true. Oh, okay. Though they are all called Gundabad orcs, um, and they do have similar yeah, face okay. paint. Uh, Maybe there's younger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They, they, they send the balding orcs out on the expeditions, and they leave the ones with fabulous hair here to defend the homeland. <laughs> there's a there's a fully based uh, discrimination system among orc soldiers. Uh, you get pushed sure for duty at home if your hair is only hair. those with hair need apply. Yeah, I think these are the same hair pieces the elves have. Similar. Oh, yeah. There's... They are. They're similar. Maybe you can switch them out. <laughs> anyway, well, Bjorn's hair you certainly can't switch out. Now, uh, moving on from our uh, from uh, the fascinating mechanisms of this Lego set uh, to the, the storyline here. Um, what is Bjorn doing at Dol Guldur? That, indeed, would be the big question. <clears throat> now, I am, in, I am inclined to um, agree with Trish, the observation that you made before. Uh, why don't I, Trish, why don't I let you uh, do your, your Dol Guldur and Bjorn theory? <laughs> okay. I think this is the right one. Well, I'm, I'm combining it with um, the name Dol Guldur Ambush, which to me, I'm thinking that this is, uh, Bjorn may take off and check out Dol Guldur as a result of meeting the dwarves and Gandalf, you know, their, their conversation. So he goes and checks out Dolgulder on his own and gets ambushed. Um, it also may be where he picks up the orc he ends up uh, torturing. I don't know. Um, but I'm thinking then that what might happen is uh, this would, he would become, he would come back and tell Gandalf what he found, which would cause Gandalf now to split off from the company because we haven't had any intimation. Not, unlike in the book, Gandalf has not been saying, I'm going to be leaving you guys. So this would be the point at which, after Bjorn is here, has the fight with the door, orcs comes back, Gandalf says, "Oh, I better go check this out." Yeah, I, 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 I had not, I had not thought of that, Trish. But as soon as you said it, I'm completely convinced because this seems to me like exactly <clears throat> to follow exactly in line with the kind of adaptation choice we have seen uh, Peter Jackson making before. You start with an element which is there in the book. <clears throat> and and in this case, we're talking about the little expedition that Bjorn makes to confirm the dwarves and Gandalf's story, where he goes back to the mountains, captures a warg and an orc, and tortures them into telling him the whole story. And then he comes back with their head and pelt and say, uh, I confirmed your story and, and I like you guys now. Um, that element of the book, I can... It's... I. I I think you know that's an action sequence, right? So it's very easy to 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 imagine that Peter Jackson would adapt that. But to take that to, for for to think that the film is going to sort of seize upon that and expand it, and what's more, to sort of suborn it for the establishment or the furthering of the this sort of secondary plot, the Dol Guldur plot, makes to me a great deal of sense. Um, so I am now. Um, inspired by this Lego set and uh, Trisha's commentary upon it, I am totally expecting to see Bjorn um, go and be basically the first one to explore Dol Guldur after the beginning of the film, after after they after they meet him. Um, 
And then, of course, that he would be attacked when he gets there and that he would end up fighting, uh, you know, a bunch of orcs and, you know, fighting his way out seems entirely plausible. We shall um, see. Moving on to the other, the companion Dolguldur set. Here's where you get the Azog boss figure. And um, that's a pretty good Lego figure of Azog. <laughs> and this really was, and this this character wearing a Halloween costume in the middle. Oh, this one? <laughs> yeah. The Necromancer. Now that's Sauron in the doorway. He looks like he's wearing the Necromancer a, in the doorway. He looks like he's wearing like a a, a really terrible Halloween skeleton costume. actually, he looks like he's wearing an kid. incredible Hulk fit out, outfit. Yes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Except he doesn't have the big green hands. However, I am delighted to see that Lego is still using the same skeleton figure that it's been using for 25 years. <laughs> this thing is awesome. In that he gets to ride a swing. What's shooting out of the cannon? Uh, uh, let's see, we've got it. Oh yeah, oh, we've got a catapult. So... We've got a freestanding catapult because, again, there oh. must be a catapult. Oh, there it is. Okay, I got we've it. got. It's not a cannon. That's a catapult. Okay. Or the orc with the oversized butcher's knife is firing the catapult. Yes, exactly. We've got a. We've got a, a another trap over the door, which apparently oh, drops please. skulls upon the heads of those who come in. That's a very Peter Jacksonist touch. It makes me think of the Paths of the Dead. Um, <laughs> uh, we've got. Uh, the skeleton again. Not only do we get the classic Lego skeleton, but we get the classic Lego skeleton in like a hanging cage, which is again that Lego has done that so many times in their sets. They're just adorable. Um, so uh, so that's fun. It looks like we get. I don't know if this. And is who a... is Radagast zapping? Look at Radagast is zapping something. Oh man, he's got some uh, some lightning coming here. out of that. Lightning not included, presumably. Do you think the two the toy actually does that? No. But it might be surrounded <laughs> it it might have a clear cylindrical blue thing that you can put Blowing on the end of the staff. <laughs> Why did they not include a disclaimer saying does not actually fire electricity? Yeah, it it might. <laughs> it might. Let's see. Lightning. I think there's a lot of kids that yeah, yeah, I do so think. See, I, really... I do think he does have a piece there. Oh yeah, let's look at the back. The back is really interesting here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm really interested in the. Oh look, we can see both the faces of the 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 necromancer. Looks like he has two faces, possibly. He should. Though actually, he well, might like not that. because yeah, he doesn't have any head covering, and so oh yeah, right. If they can't cover the back of his head, he just looks dumb with two faces. I think it's so. just like the ang the angle, the two different angles of his face make it look different. But I think you're probably right. Yeah, I think it's the same. I, I am really fascinated by that. Like, do, do you think that they have? I guess it looks a little bit like the necroman weird necromancer shadow thing we saw in the first film, but. I'm just wondering if perhaps they had access to what is his actual appearance going to be like, or were they just given a very general description and they just made something up? Well, you know, the mere it does look fact... a little bit like what we saw. Was that a bare time. chest? That's a bare chest, right? Yeah, yeah. Who's got a the, bare the, chest? Like the, you were talking about, like the Hulk thing. I'm exactly. like, that's really strange. The mere fact that we're getting uh, a corporeal necromancer figurine is fascinating and again is that something that's being driven yeah. by lego that they're like we want a necromancer figure to give um 
<clears throat> so that they're just kind of <clears throat> doing that. I mean, I guess you could say if he appeared as that kind of shadowy thing, that could be enough to justify the neck, the you know Lego in putting forth a, a, a necromancer figure. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I, it, that's that's that's. But really... listen, let's talk about the palantir in the corner. On the front or the back? Well, I probably the front is where we see it. The statue is holding work that's shining. Okay. So we've got a statue here. It does seem to be a statue. Oh, there you can see it. Yeah, it's it got no face. It. Yeah, because it's not a figure. Right. It's 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 got no face. It's got like a cracking stone appearance. It's holding something shining, which seems to be more disc than globe. But again, that I think is just a <clears throat> Lego limitation. Oh, okay. Lego figures cannot hold spheres, um, so it's got a it's got a thing. Here's here's what I'm what I was noticing on the back there. Look down here. We've got Gandalf, like what, bowing to it, examining it. Um, oh, that's weird. I don't know what to do with that. That is and it, weird. And it and it comes open. So you've got the And whole, what's the person doing? Well, yeah. The pedestal that the statue oh, there's a was ring. standing on. There's a ring down underneath the pedestal. Yeah, it pivots. See, Isn't it's that a ring? It pivots. I Gandalf it, is searching for something which is hidden under this statue, and you can pivot open the pedestal of the statue and reveal the little thing, whatever it is, that's underneath there. Is um, that a ring? It looks like Bilbo's ring, doesn't it? Or it could be Thryon's. Uh, it could be. Well, Thryon's I'm wondering. Ring, right? um, could it be a? Could it be a, a Nazgul ring? Could it be one of the nine? One of the nine, maybe. Hmm. I mean, it does look like a ring. Um, we don't see any references. I mean, like up here, like for instance, where they show you the weapons that are actually included in the set. They don't show. Anything that suggests that a ring comes in this set, but you know they don't. There's a they yeah, don't show the little sphere right. in the statue's hand either, so that doesn't prove anything. Boy, um, that's really interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah, and you've got oh, you look, you've got well, a, one of us is going to have to buy this set. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is. Uh, Okay. Oh, is that a secret door? Is that what that is? Yes, this is a secret door. It rotates on the top, you see, so like the necromancer can come in just like a rotating bookshelf, you know, in a haunted house or something. <laughs> I mean, like the awesomeness just keeps on coming with these Lego sets. Seriously. Uh, I, I, I also assume they should probably have said, um, you know, ethereal blue Nimbus not included around the necromancer figure. <laughs> But um, right. does not does not come with aura. <laughs> yes, it does, does not, not does not actually shine. It's so yeah. So we've got an opening. Uranium not included. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's really interesting. That that's the statue thing. I think is uh, the necromancer seems is really interesting. Um, but but I I I feel like it's one of those things that we shouldn't read too much into it because I think it's one of those things where they could say this. We we have a scene taking or we want a set taking place at Dol Guldur. We saw we saw a necromancer there once in the first film, and he looked kind of like this sort of black figure with kind of a weird little face or whatever. I can totally imagine them 
basing ne- this this uh, necromancer character off of that, and there being having no relationship to what's to ha- come in the film. The statue thing I think is very interesting. The fact that it opens and there's a ring-looking thing underneath there, and he's holding a crystal. I'm, I I just I can't help but think that it has something to do with Nazgul. Yeah, Molly yeah, suggests that we... that's the that's the the Witch King, and that it's his ring underneath. Um, possibly. possibly. Now, the other thing is James. James is saying, could it be a palantir uh, that the statue is holding that Gandalf then brings back to Sauron? Which, in that's an alternate universe of Middle Earth, is quite possible. Because I don't recall in Lord of the Rings ever there being a point being made that the palantir the ceremony had actually came with Orc. Yeah, well, he gets so that it. could be another connection. I mean, the Lord of the Rings. In the books, he gets it because it's the Palantir of Orthanc. I mean, it was always there. Um, and right, but not in the movies, right? No, I mean that doesn't really get said in the movies. No, no, it doesn't. Though there is that scene. If, if we if we want to think purely in terms of rigid film continuity, um, there is that scene in the Fellowship of the Ring where Gandalf seems like surprised that Saruman has, or at least that Saruman oh, is right. using That's right. the Palantir. But I'm trying to figure out what this action is over here. Oh, it's a web. The web goes up and drops down. So we're going to have spider action at Dolgold over here, too. See, you can can rotate up and the the spider web drops down like a portcullis, it looks like. This is cool. Boy, these, yeah, these Lego sets have gotten seriously cool. I think they're as much for adults as they are for children. Oh, yeah, <laughs> or more so. You think? I mean, you think that we're uh, we're like falling into their demographic here? You know, I mean, I I, I bet that you know, <laughs> if ever anybody at you know Lego listens to this podcast episode, they're going to be like high fiving each other all over the place. You know, I mean, this is uh, we're we're right. obviously right. like completely. You can't buy that kind of marketing. <laughs> exactly, we're like completely swallowing everything they're handing out here, but. Um, the other thing that, of course, we shouldn't overlook, and I agree, Dave, that we can't look too much into the necromancer and his presence here, but this is, uh, first of all, the title, this is called Dol Guldur Battle, which is very different from Dol Guldur Ambush, as we talked about. This is where Bjorn gets ambushed at Dol Guldur. This is a battle at Dol Guldur. We've got this, you know, magical battle. Time they intend for you to combine the sets, and they intend you to. Well, yes, because then you can construct a larger Dol Guldur set. Um, right. The combination of sets, I certainly don't think, has anything to do with plot. Um, no. But um, see, so yeah, they're just showing you ways in which uh, probably there's a there's a mechanism. Usually there is like a little hole over here with a peg, so that you could actually attach as they're showing here, the structure from this onto the side. So you just get like an extra door, just get a larger Dol Guldur set. See, it's got hinges here, so it can be more enclosed and be like a castle if you want. <sighs> My misspent youth obviously coming back to me here. Anyhow, so, but the point that I'm trying to the, <laughs> the actual intellectual literary point I am trying to make here is that... This set, at least, again, to what extent it follows the film, we don't know, but this set is inviting us to think that a climactic battle between Gandalf, Radagast, and the Necromancer, with the assistance of Azog, other goblins, and probably spiders, is going to happen at Dol Guldur in, fi- in film two. 
I mean, that seems to be the conclusion that this set is inviting. Whether or not that conclusion is accurate, I don't know. But I, I mean, is that just me? I mean, that that seems to be what's going on here. Yeah, I think it's just you. Yeah, maybe some kind of of uh, a team thing going on because it's it's just um, it's just Radagast and Gandalf, right? Yes, Radagast and Gandalf are the only. Now we don't. Yeah, so you know, Galadriel not appearing at this Dolgolder battle in any case. Um, you know, of course, it doesn't mean there aren't other. I mean, like we said before, they don't include all the figures, so there could I'm be sure others can, there. And we can purchase right. a. Uh... Galadriel one-off set and a Tariel one-off set and put them together and have oh, a Oh, yeah, so you can get minifigures. I was just looking at Amazon. You can get Tariel, Legolas, all those little minifigures of their own. Separate. Yep. It's very interesting that Azog is here, not yes. off on his Yes, you know, that's mission. the other thing I was going to point out. The fact that we... that, that yeah. it's. They've included it. I mean, this set, this is where we've seen Azog in every trailer. Um, we've seen Azog here attacking the elves on the battlements. That is the one place we have a, uh, uh, in the trailers. We have clear evidence that Azog is going to be. The fact that they've put him here, that they've included him in this set, especially given, I mean, I I can't help but notice, this is this set is very boss figure heavy. I mean, you've only got two little red shirt figures and then you've got four major characters from the film. Yes. Uh, I mean, I would have thought the necromancer Radagast and Gandalf was enough that they would throw Azog in there. Um, That's... Here's your Riddles in the Dark Lego collection tip of the week. This (laughs) seems like the best bang for your buck. (laughs) Oh, man, yeah. If you're... you're, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) No question. Although I, now I'm gonna go look up how much it is. Oh, I'm sure this is this has got to be the most the uh, this th- this set has to be more than twice as expensive uh, as this one. More as than twice as. Um, I would guess that this this one is probably the cheapest, and then this one, and then Lake Town Chase, and then this is the most expensive. Though the building is most elaborate in Lake Town, they're de- they, it's a little deceptive by the way they have the backdrop to make it, to sort of suggest you're getting a whole Lake Town drop, but actually you're yeah, just getting two pieces, these yeah. two little mini pieces. So I think this is clearly the this is clearly the premier set of these four. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. But I am very curious that Azog is here, um, not at the set, not as you say, not on the set where we've seen scenes of him, nor um, you know, pursuing Thorin like he is seems single-mindedly uh, uh, obsessed with, and yet here he is. What what the heck is he doing here? Why Thorin is not here, Azog? Right, right, exactly. Your quest for vengeance has led you astray. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's 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 fascinating. Now, you know, I'm 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 a I'm torn because on the one hand. I think you know the things that we've been saying <clears throat> about the 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 Lego sets and and the caution that you know we need to use. Yeah, don't read too much into it. You know, obviously applies here. They might have just decided to throw Azog into the set for some other reason. It doesn't mean that he's definitely there in the film, but 
th- then on the other side, I think, but but they don't. They, I mean, if they just needed a boss character and they didn't have one, I mean, like for instance, I think the the throw in is exactly what's happening here. Thranduil for everything. I mean, we we have a certain amount of evidence that suggests Thranduil is definitely not at this scene in the film. But they've thrown yeah. in Thranduil because without him, they've got no boss figures at all. It's just red shirts. And also, what what other scene would you put him in? Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I don't think a scene of Thranduil lounging on his throne uh, is going to make a great yeah. Lego set. Uh, because <laughs> that's always the only place we've seen him. Or strike, striking a pose in his glittery robe. Exactly. Yes. Um Let's do a Lego action set of Thranduil saying snooty and cutting things tutorial. Um, you know, that's just, that's not, yeah. So I agree. Thranduil's not going to, uh, you know, you've got to put him somewhere. But again, this is, a, this is a classic example of they want at least one major character to give away in this set, so they throw Thranduil into this one. Well, that's obviously not the case here. They've got three major characters. Right, um, and it's not like they don't have other sets they could put Azog in. Exactly, so. exactly. So um, they're just either really confused, um, or or they were just didn't they just kind of didn't even think it through when they added him to the set, or basically some whoever it was who was putting designing these sets somewhere along the line read something or saw something that put placed Azog at Dol Guldur and they said, oh, we should put him in the Dol Guldur set. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that does seem to be at least an option, at least a possibility. What about um, the absence of uh, Thryan in the scene? Um, well, I think two things. One is you have to think about... I mean, they're obviously planning on... You know, the fact that they've released these shows, that they're doing pre-marketing for these. Since Thran is not Thran to anybody but us, that is, only uber-Tolkien dorks who are anticipating the films are even uttering the name in connection with the, that crazy guy. He would be known to everybody else in the film-viewing world as that random crazy long-haired crazy dude whom Gandalf seems to be fighting in trailer number one. Um, I'd love I, to see it. I'd love to see that written underneath the Lego character. Yeah, exactly. With a little trademark <laughs> after it. Yeah. Yeah. You know that you know that guy from the trailer. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the crazy dude from the trailer trademark. Um but uh anyway, um yeah, so I think that they um they are so it, it, well, the question for those was reasons from... doesn't surprise me. Kay asked like should we interpret that to mean he's not a prisoner, he's a wandering um hermit? Um, yes. I think even if we wanted to try and read something into it, it, assuming this is, in fact, sort of the Battle of Dol Guldur, I, I think Thrine is dead by now. Um, probably, yeah. Because um, he basically, doesn't he, he, he sort of, he, he dies shortly after his encounter with Gandalf. Is, is that true? Or am I making that up? Yes, no, that's true. That's true. So, so more than likely, even if they were, even if, you know, that the, if we sort of try to try to try to um, crowbar Thryan into you know like oh why isn't he in this scene and all that I, I I think it doesn't have any implications other than you know this takes place after Gandalf's encounter with him right. and he probably dies so right um, and, and you know but as far as the like and of course you always have to have the our cautionary um, remark of like don't read too much we we never we try always try not to read too much into things except when we do 
We, of course, yeah. That's that's the natural prerogative that uh, that we can uh, continue with. Um, so why don't we transition from this into? It, this seems like an appropriate time to transition into the, the ostensible topic of today's episode. Yes, it does. Which actually involves many of the characters in this Lego set. Exactly. I'll, I'll leave the Lego set up here. And I think Corey's um, got a hard stop at noon, don't you, Corey? I do. Yeah, I got to pick up my kids. Um, so no, it's the 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 first step I want to take. I want to come back to Azog and the Orcs. Um, because that's where our riddle is going to be focused today. But I want to talk for a second about the ringwraiths. Um, we've kind of lost sight of the ringwraiths. You know, we had a we had that big burst of ringwraith excitement when the whole news of the tombs of the Nazgul first broke after CinemaCon last year. And we even had a riddle last year, which I think we should dust off for this year again, um, which didn't end up being relevant after they split the films, about what role, are the, you know, what are the Nazgul going to be up to? What are they going to be doing? How will, how will we see them occupying themselves uh, in this film? What role are they going to play? And um, I still have no idea of the answer to that question. I don't feel like I am any closer to the answer to that. After seeing film one and after all of the promotional materials and trailers and things released for film two, I don't feel like I'm any closer to being able to answer that question. Um, if if anybody asks, um, if anybody asks, what uh, you know, why am I asking that question? You know, what? Why should we think the Nazgul have any role at all? Well, I mean, they're not only brought in, but they're made pivotal in the fact that the whole tombs of the Nazgul thing. Um, is apparently going to be one of the primary things which tips Gandalf off to the fact that the necromancer is Sauron. So their presence, and we've, and and then you add to that the fact that we've already seen one. Um, you know that dude who is apparently the Witch King, um, whom Radagast briefly fought in the ruins, and from whom he took the dagger, which was a portent of doom uh, to Elrond and Galadriel in Rivendell. Um. I, I, this show, they're obviously around. Um, so, I don't know, I, 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 Dave or Trish, do you guys have any any clearer sense of the Nazgul and what they might be doing? I don't. Uh, I mean, no. I still think they're going to show up. I just don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting to see them show up with scuba gear, you know, and he, they're heading over to the Anduin. Dredging the river, yeah. For the ring. For the ring. Yeah, that's right. Right. I, I, oh, man, it's... We keep coming back to this. I, I have no idea what they're doing with the White Council storyline, and 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 I and I still c- sort of cling to the, the the previous comments I've made about. On the one hand, I'm convinced that the Battle of Dol Guldur will take place in this film. On the other hand, I don't know how they have time for it, especially because, you know, the t- uh, uh, having the time for the battle itself, but that basically means they have to wrap up the Dol Guldur storyline in this film. And so far, basically nothing's happened other than, than um, a couple shots of Radagast the Brown and Mirkwood, like right. in, in one visit, brief visit. But we haven't done any, we haven't gone to the to- tombs of the Nazgul, we haven't had Gandalf sneaking in and finding Thryon, and then, and then we also have to have a battle. That's a, that's a lot of screen time for this film. So I... I and it's so been getting that points, very small that amounts of trailer is, time. Yeah, what that points to to me is minimal role for the Nazgul. 
Nazgul yeah. will be um, relegated to Easter eggs. They'll, they showed up in the first film. Maybe we'll get a glimpse of them again in this film, but they really won't do much. There won't be very many scenes with them. Maybe in an extended edition we'll get more. I, I, I think they're not going to play much role at all. I, I just don't see it. I, I actually think that this this is not yet the Battle of Dol Guldur, and one of the reasons I'm hooking onto that is is Fran as uh, Philippa Boyan's slip of the tongue at Comic Con last year, where she starts to really get all excited about the role Galadriel plays in the Battle of Dol Guldur. Blanchett has said she doesn't think Galadriel's going to be in the second movie, which seems to be being borne out by what we're seeing so far. So to me, it seems like there's going to be yet another really big battle in the third movie, and I'm guessing that Galadriel will probably do what she does in the book only many hundreds of years later, which is, doesn't she in the appendices or someplace that says Galadriel basically raises Dol Guldur after yes. the battle? It's after War of the Ring, I think. Yes. Um, I'm thinking she'll probably do that. But I think we're going to see an, another big white council versus black dudes thing in the third movie, and I'll bet we see the Nazgul then. Yeah, I mean, thinking of the logic of this, and again, thinking, um, and I'm still looking at the Lego set while I'm talking about this, we do, we have clear film, we have clear trailer evidence that Radagast and Gandalf are going to go together, at least to the tombs of the Nazgul, and probably to Dol Guldur itself. However, based upon the model of what we know from the book and the logic that the film has suggested, that is the way in which uh, Gandalf with promptings and hints from Radagast um, is coming to discover the truth of what's going on there. The voiceover from Gandalf in trailer two about, you know, his recognition of the fact that it's actually Sauron taking, taking shape um, suggests that that plot line, the, the, the discovery of what's really going on plot line is going to be resolved in film two, that Gandalf is going to figure this out. However, what I can easily imagine is Gandalf and Radagast going to the tombs of the Nazgul, deciding, okay, let's go on to Dol Guldur and pretend that it's not hundreds and hundreds of leagues away and across the mountains. And let's go to Dol Guldur and let's, um, let's, settle for once once and for all like who this dude is and what's going on there they get there and that there is a battle of some kind i mean they are attacked they are ambushed um and they have to fight their way out but this is not the attack but basically then they go for backup having having discovered the truth confirmed their suspicions and escaped then they send up the Goadriel signal and they come back with reinforcements um, because they didn't bring Goadriel the first right. time and presumably they didn't bring Sebastian the Hedgehog the second time. So they have to go gather the rest <laughs> of their team uh, in order to come and storm Dol Guldur. Um, and that, I guess, that that it's beginning to sound like will happen in, um, in film three. Um, I still wish it would happen in this film, but it sounds like it's going to happen in film three. Terrible idea. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, and also I think we've gotten an announcement that the move, the second movie, and I don't know if it's official yet, but I think it comes in at right around two and a half hours, which is actually shorter than the first movie. Right. If we're believing the press so far. Hmm, now that is interesting. That is interesting. 
<laughs> Sorry, I missed that Molly was pointing out that Thryon is probably the skeleton here in the set. Yeah. It looks a lot like the, the minus the beard and the rags. That's, that's pretty much what you look like. Yeah, that's true. It's a good likeness. Um, um, this, I mean, I still, I can't get away from this statue with the ring and the glowing orb and things. And the fact that it seems like Gandalf is ex- exploring here and looking for something that the, I mean, this whole concept, this is an, this is a central concept of this set, of this Lego set. And it's, it's particularly significant because it's not part of the structure. The fact that you get cool features in the structure, cool mechanical features and stuff, like pivots and portcullises and catapults and, and, uh, um, things that dump skulls on your heads and rotating axe blades. Those things can all be explained by Lego's desire to make cool, interactive, dynamic features of their sets. This, we're going to also include in this cool, dynamic, fun castle set with the, rot- with the revolving door and the opening gates and the catapults and the, and the booby traps, we're going to also include this statue pedestal, this freestanding, disconnected statue pedestal that opens to reveal some hidden treasure underneath the statue for Gandalf to find. It's hard for me to imagine they're just pulling that out of their ears. I mean, that seems to have some kind of plot marker all over it, doesn't it? I mean, they have to be given something to work with. I mean, it's not that I think necessarily that the Lego designers have read the whole screenplay. Maybe they have, but it's not that I assume that. But they've got to give they the studio has to give them something to go on. And yes, this has to be it's it's the way that this is included in the set. I mean, again, and I'm, I'm not just trying to drag the conversation back to the Lego sets, but again, thinking about Dol Guldur and what we're going to see from Dol Guldur in this film, um, this element seems to me like the most suggestive plot element of any of these four Lego sets that we were looking at. And, and it's it, it really makes me wonder if Gandalf, when Gandalf goes to Dol Guldur, what exactly is he going to be looking for? This is actually a question. I remember getting this question from a listener a long time ago. And not exactly knowing how to answer it. Um, And the question was, you know, the books say that Gandalf goes to Dol Guldur and confirms that the necromancer is really Sauron. And this very sensible listener, whose name I've forgotten, asked, um, how? Like, what, what does Gandalf see that convinces him that it's Sauron? I mean, is he in corporeal form and Gandalf recognizes him? Is there something else about him? Um, you know, I mean, did he see like the monogram on his handkerchiefs? Like, how does Gandalf know that it's definitely Sauron when he sees him? Like, what kind of confirmation does he look for? And that question, as I say, and even from the books, I'm not sure of the answer to that question. Um, it seems a little bit more um, unspecified than that. You know, not, I, I don't think it's a question of him having to visually clap eyes on him and therefore recognize, you know, do facial recognition on Sauron, but rather, um, uh, you know, that basically by being near him, he can, you know, in some more general sense, you know, sort of sense him and, and you know, recognize who he is and sort of recognize, you know, the the spirit of what is going on there. You know, just ways in which they can see mind to mind um in a sense which is which is like 
the way that, um, you know, Elrond and Galadriel and Gandalf can communicate with each other. Um, however, in the films, how are they going to do this? What kind of confirmation are they going to get? What When Gandalf sets off, to put this question another way, when Gandalf sets off for Dol Guldur, what's his plan? What's his pur- purpose, specifically? Just to case the joint? Or is there something he's looking for? Is there something he's checking for? And again, I'm, I, I keep coming back to this Lego set, um, which seems to have him searching not just for a person or to kind of, you know... You know, feel out the aura of Dol Guldur, but rather searching for a particular object or artifact. Now, that might just be a Lego-fied literalization uh, of what's going on. Um, You know, I don't think he's necessarily searching for a ring, for instance. Um, But, but again, it's it 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 does raise for me the question: When Gandalf goes to Dol Guldur, how are they going to do that? And of course, it leads me then to the question of the necromancer and how is he going to be depicted? How are we going to see him? How are we, the audience, going to be interacting with the necromancer? That's going to be a really delicate thing uh, for Jackson to do because if he's too corporeal, it's going to be strange. But if he's nothing other than a disembodied voice and a flaming eyeball, that's going to be strange too. Check out the link I just put in um, in the chat thing. Michael Lucero sent that to us. It's um, Gandalf of Dol Guldur, and um, you see the statue holding a spear in the back. It's not um, shiny, but yes, highlighted it. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. It could, it could end up shining in certain circumstances. And it's also in the wrong hand, according. You know, it's not the same hand as the Lego one. But right. <laughs> I guess we can overlook that. <laughs> Maybe it's a decoy sphere in hand statue. <laughs> but notice, notice these. They have a lot of them around, so you can never tell what the real one is. Exactly. Notice these architectural features here. Yeah, well, those are spears of some They're kind. They're spikes. See, yeah. that's, and, that's, and toward the front, too, by Gandalf. That's what, that's what the Lego people are invoking here with their spiky things. <laughs> So that's why you've got the spiky thing motif uh, in the whole <laughs> construction. See, they don't make this stuff up, like, completely. Not not all of it, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, of course, in Lego style, these are removable so that they can be taken and wielded as weapons in a pinch. Uh, by, like, if a particularly frantic battle breaks out among your Lego figures, you know. You can have somebody like rip off one of the stone spiky things from the walls of Dol Guldur and attack other people with them, whereas that would apparently be harder here. But anyway, um, yeah, Ray Burns makes a good point. Maybe with uh, Thrain's dying breath, he says something cryptic about where he hit his ring. You know, ring, that, and I, we haven't addressed this, but and of course we spent a lot of time before talking about the dwarven ring and would it ever be brought in. Um, We've kept thinking no, especially given the uh, the extra significance that the Arkenstone has been given in the tra- you know in, in both in film one and then especially in the trailer trailer one. Um, I um, have a hard time. I I have an increasingly hard time believing that they're going to out to up and introduce the Dwarven Rings of Power into this situation, but. You know, you can't rule it out. 
Yeah, that's fascinating. Completely separate topic, but I don't get the wisdom of Gandalf wearing that scarf when he does battle. I mean, somebody special must have knitted that for him or something. I would think that would be dangerous. He could choke himself. Or, you know, an enemy could just grab it and just... That's you true, know, though, of um, course, that's also an argument for him. not having long hair, and nobody in Middle-earth seems to take that very seriously in these that's films. That's true. <laughs> or beard. That's yeah. True. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason. There's and a you reason... won't see anybody grabbing the scarf or the beard. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's a reason that Roman soldiers were all clean-shaven and buzz-cut, because uh, <laughs> they knew that in hand-to-hand combat, that, you know, giving your, your opponents a handle on your head is a bad idea. But, yeah, no, it totally <laughs> goes against the fashion sense of, of Peter Jackson. But in Middle Earth, I guess there's a, there's kind of like a, a battle etiquette in Middle Earth says do not grab your opponent's hair in any form. Right, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, but we should go back to the, uh, the orc question. Um Having totally not resolved the necromancer and Nazgul questions in any way, um, we should then blithely move on from them as if we have and turn ourselves back to the orcs uh, and what's going on there. And the question, and this is the question that our riddle is about today, is the relationship between the necromancer and Azog as they appear on their twin uh, stair uh, stairwells here in the uh, Lego set. Um, what kind of, and, and this is a question that we have touched on before, what kind of political organization are we going to see, but most importantly, what kind of connection are we going to get between the necromancer and the orcs? Are we going to see the necromancer as the one that the orcs are, uh, what, allied with, loyal to? enthralled by uh, there are lots of options here and any of which could be defended um and uh and 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 then specifically what's his relationship going to be with these other captains with azog uh and the ephemeral bolg um what uh what are we gonna what are we actually gonna see here so this is actually our riddle question um today uh, i thought you were gonna say the effeminate bowl no. how does he say effeminate bowl no. you... <laughs> it's not effeminate he's ephemeral uh yeah 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 no it's different um so um trish do you are are, are, are you gonna put our, our riddle up on a pole yeah yeah i mean i'm gonna yeah could you do that i mean like now in the session did you do that? Do you mean what do you mean? I mean I always do. In the session. Oh yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah. Let yeah. me do that. Do that. You, and I will God, I haven't talked about I haven't thought about that. I, I need to go um log in. Keep talking. Okay. Oh yeah, I'll keep that. I, I, I know that'll be tough. That was but... that, yeah, that was my cue for you to scurry off and and and, and I knew it'd take a little while to do that. So anyway, I will explain the concept of our riddle. The concept is this is again it's it's basically it's that question how will we see the necromancer acting? In the trailer we get the voiceover from Gandalf saying that, you know, that, that, you know, evil is moving and their ancient enemy has been building his forces. And the voiceover comes um, over top of that army of orcs we see gathering and marching. And, you know, but as I was saying in my, in our, in our, in our analysis of the trailer, I am not convinced by that snippet of the trailer that that means 
that is a, an orc army that is being staged at Dal Guldur and marched forth, you know, under the captaincy or even the generalship of uh, Sauron of the Necromancer. Um, rather, those two things—that is, the words that Gandalf is saying and the image that they are showing there—could be merely thematically connected. Now, um, the 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 terms of our riddle, however, the, our question is, um, what? I'm, I'm losing how we worded it. Um, what is the what is the relationship between Sauron and the orcs that we will see in the second film? Um, I know we had a David's up on the um, it's up on the document if you want to read it. I mean, yeah, it's... yeah, Dave, could you read it for me? Oh wait, we've lost Dave. I don't know where Dave is. Um, uh, Okay, never mind. We've lost okay. Dave. Um, but uh, okay, well, it's it basically it's what is the connection between Sauron and yeah. the um, and the army and the orcs? Yeah, what is the connection between Sauron and the orcs? Um, option A, the book answer, is there will be no explicit connection made between the necromancer and the orcs. That is, we will not, you know, we will see the orcs operating. There might be implications, um, but we will never see on-screen evidence that the orcs are working for Sauron in any explicit way. Uh, Option B is we will see the, the, the captains and leaders of the orcs, like Azog, coordinating with Sauron, um, but not serving him explicitly, not not performing his commands, not 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 under his authority. We will see them. We will see them connecting, you know, and maybe even them showing deference and respect for him. But Sauron not acting like a captain in general of their armies. Option C is that for at least some of the goblin armies, we do no for all of. For all of the goblin army, and option C is for all of the orc armies, Sauron is the overgeneral. That the that film two is going to reveal that all of the orcs that we see are actually under Sauron's command, and they are moving as he moves them. He is the general and architect. He is building these armies, and he is deploying these armies. They are where they are because he sent them, um, and that includes Azog. So. Um, these orcs and their armies are not acting as free agents. They're not acting on their own. This is all part of the stratagem of Sauron's, of the necromancers. Um, this uh, the, the parallel that I would make here is that it's, it's like the relationship that we see Saruman having with his armies in the Two Towers film. Um, you know, we see him. He doesn't lead them into battle himself. I'm not saying that would be necessary for C to be true. Um, but he is the one who is, um, you know, who is gathering and equipping and summoning the armies and deploying them, and they are doing what he tells them to do. Option D would be uh, they are the. It turns out that Sauron is in is completely dominating them. All of the orcs are merely his thralls and performing his duty. So where it looked like um, orcs like Azog were doing their own thing, actually they have just been like the. Uh, the cat's paws of Sauron the whole time. So it's not even just that they're performing missions that he sent them on, um, that he is really dominating uh, and and um, guiding their their spirits. Um, so those are our four options in 
in mm. the direction of escalating involvement by Sauron in the orcs and their movements. Interesting. What are your thoughts, Dave? <sighs> I don't know, man. Increasingly, we keep it... It seems like the general trend of the riddles is, is we pose them and then I have no clue. <laughs> uh, um... Man, it's that's a great question. Like, it, it seems to me, I would not be surprised if they took things in the direction of, oh, the the, the necromancer was really behind it all, all along, type thing, because it was, right. it, you know, it seemed natural because he was Sauron, and it, and and that's what they did in the Lord of the Rings films, right? Like, they just made everybody, every evil thing, with the exception of Shelob. Was a was a crony of Sauron, even Saruman. They turned him into a crony of Sauron. Yes. So yes. he was. So, he was. He was taking orders. You know. I mean that that was to me one of the most shocking things in the in the Lord of the Rings films that we got the you know build me an army worthy of Mordor that the whole yeah. arming of Isengard was just Sauron's idea. Um, yes. So yeah, exactly that relationship. The the way in which Sauron was behind everything there that would be. That would be option C, I would say. Um, if if we were to see that happening here, if it turns out that Azog, who looks like a free agent in film one, right, he's pursuing his own personal vendetta against Thorin and everything, um, but then it turns out that he's just acting under orders, in fact, for Sauron the whole time. So you're saying that's C? Yes. Yeah, if Azog's reporting back to Sauron to... What what on Earth get would D be then? Okay, the difference is if in B, Azog would have communication with Sauron, but Sauron isn't actually deploying. Like so, Azog is doing his own thing. He is a free agent. No, I mean D. Oh, D. Yes. How on Earth would you? I I, I think I get it, what you're getting at that he like literally is sort of controlling them by thought. How would you? That seems incredibly unlikely, and I don't know how it they would do that on the screen. It does. Uh, I, that was sort of an option I was putting in for logical completion, actually. Um, I see. Um, I see. And if you want to restructure that, it's not too late, since we're only just proposing it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, and also I was thinking, uh, I was thinking of the books too. You know, and in particular that scene. Um, which I know Trish thought of right away also uh, when we were talking about it before um, in front of the Black Gate, you know, in the battle before the Black Gate in The Return of the King, when Sauron, you know, wrenches his mind away from all of his servants and all of the, you know, the orcs and the human captains before the Black Gate are suddenly standing around saying, what are we doing? What's going on? Um, it, it, you know, it does suggest that Sauron is really dominating them, that they are his thralls in this way. Are we going to get any kind of evidence of that? Um, I would count it as D if we see, um, you know, basically, okay, here's, here's one way to think about it. B would be, we see orcs saying, um, uh, hey, necromancer dude, I think we can work together. C would be we see Orc saying, yes, sir, I shall do it, sir. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, D would be we see Orc saying, I obey, master. <laughs> you know, like basically yes, they're, they are like the mindless drones <laughs> acting out Sauron's commands. Right. right. Um, so, so I think we can generally agree that, that, that D seems incredibly unlikely. 
I don't and think that... I would say incredibly, but quite unlikely. I would agree. Unlikely. Well, what? So, what? How would you? How would you describe the relationship of orcs in general in the books with Sauron? Is it C or is it D? Because because it, it really is. You know, the, there's so much language. Sort of, Tolkien uses very kind of. I don't want to say vague because vague sounds like criticism. It's not criticism, but. The orcs and the servants of Sauron in general are referred to as his slaves, and there's a lot of discussion about the will of Sauron dominating yes. characters and stuff. But at the same time, they're not, you know, drones or they're not Borg drones that are wandering around um, with every thought and um, action being dictated to them by by some, you know, ethereal dominating will. They have minds of their own. Yes. So. And in particular, of course. You know, you think of the conversation between Shagrat and Gorbag at the yeah. end of the Two Towers, um, yeah. where they're criticizing Sauron and saying that they wish they could get out from under Sauron. Um, my answer, though, is C. Generally, like what what we generally see is C. He is their overlord. They are going where they're going and doing what they're doing because he tells them to. Um, if they act independently, they are acting deviantly and hoping they don't get caught. And even, or even just talking about it, Shagrat and Gorbag actually never do disobey orders. They do their orders. They just grumble about it. Um, so, yeah. um, so I mean, we see them obedient to Sauron, but you know, we certainly don't. Uh, Shagrat and Gorbag are clearly not drones. I mean, that's 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 very obvious. Um, so even though we do see Sauron with his will dominating his servants uh, at times or to some extent and in certain ways, um, they do have uh, some free will of their own. Even the ways in which it's implied that Grishnak, for instance, is at least contemplating um, trying to take the ring for himself, or at least that, that kind of seems to be on the table or or, or considered. Um so, uh, so anyway, I think that that's, um, that's in general, my answer for what are the orcs in the book would be mostly C. Um, yeah. but, uh, anyway, yeah, I think what we see in the yeah. battle of the black gate is, is like augmentation, you know, like Sauron augments their battle courage, if you will. In other words, to ensure that they don't go running off. Or following their own instincts or whatever, he he adds his own will to them, not instead of their will. I mean, something like that. I mean, it's it's a toughie. But yeah, James is going with A. I mean, I could see, you know, I could see that where they'd have their own. Oh, okay. well, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, A. Remember being no explicit connection made at all. So we see, you know, the orcs, you know, Ga uh, the Gundabad orcs with uh, with Azog, and you know, possibly other armies of orcs mustering in Gundabad, um, acting independently, not taking orders from anybody that we can see. Again, they still might be, but the question is: is explicit attention drawn to it? Do we get? Do we receive on-screen evidence that Sauron is actually in command of the orcs? Or again, B would be, he's coordinating with him. So we could see a scene with Azog at Dol Guldor. Azog could come back and either report or, to, you know, you know, tell Sauron. And, you know, Sauron could say, like, you know, hey, you know, I know you want to kill Thorin. Like, I want to help you. Um, you know, I think that, you know, we can help each other. So uh, um, I want the, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping we'll get the, um, the Black Council scene that'll right. be like. 
Um, it'll be it'll be the Necromancer, Azog, the Witch King, Smog will be teleconferencing in. And these uh the uh the <laughs> the zipline stenographer will be there to, to be the to be the, the minute taker. Take the notes. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, this is this is a good question because I feel like the temptation would be to try and tie everything up neatly and have it be, oh, Sarum was really behind all everything. Um and and it does seem like what we know of Sauron in the books, he generally wasn't a collaborator. He pretty much wanted to be in charge of everything. Uh, and so it would seem very odd to have Azog show up and say, hey, how's it going? You know, we should work together. And Sauron's saying, that sounds like a good deal. Let's come to an arrangement where we are co-equals. Uh, you know, like, like uh, it, so it's sort of, I feel like it's kind of an all or nothing that if Azog's in contact with Sauron, he almost certainly must be working for him because it's hard to imagine Sauron, at least the Sauron from the books, tolerating any other arrangement. Um, at the same time, I don't know. I, I sort of hope Azog's a free agent. I hope he's kind of doing his own thing. Um, and maybe Sauron, well, I don't know. Sauron in the books, again, I guess we shouldn't make too much of the books, but Sauron at times reveals himself to be a devious manipulator. But there, there's this clear statement um, that Sauron, whenever given a choice, prefers domination. Like, he he will manipulate people and sort of be subtle and trick them if yes. he has to. But he really rather that they just do what he says because he said. Yes. Though, I, you know, see here, this is where I could see if we were to get any communication or anything between uh, Sauron and Smaug, that's how I would see that going. I if this happened, I would completely imagine that that Sauron would approach Smaug not as a superior bringing an inferior in line, but he would approach him in flattery, claiming to uh, to, to to be working with him as a partner um, and to respect him for his great strength and wisdom while actually using him and probably planning to dispose of him later. Um, that's how I would expect Sauron to approach Smaug. If we were to see that, you're right that it's hard to see him taking that angle with Azog. Why should he have to butter up Azog? However, uh, I, Azog, if Azog is truly obsessed with vengeance against Thorin, he could be crazy enough to defy the Necromancer. And I could see it's possible that Sauron would say... You know, I'm just going to use this guy as is. Yes. So, like, I'm just going to wind him up and point him in that direction over there. Um, and so, therefore, his approach to him would not be as overlord and commander. Um, right. But, that, but he might even come point. to him as counselor or something. Yeah. It's, 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 Sauron's, Sauron's is intelligent enough to know to, to not to not, you know, um, um, throw the good out with the bad. Right. Like, oh, that that stupid Azog. He won't listen to me. <laughs> I'm just. Yeah. You know, rather than let him run off and kill the dwarves, I'm going to kill him just because I can't right. tolerate insubordination in my ranks. Exactly. A, a message must be sent. <laughs> Discipline must be maintained. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I can also, like, the impression that, that, that I think they've... We, we've gotten conflicting impressions. In the first film, we don't get the impression of, like, you know, wow, Sauron's really far along in his level of organization at Dol Guldur. You know, we, right. like... Dolgoldor looks abandoned. He just kind of sort of shows up in a doorway. It's, the, the, uh, on the other hand, we've seen glimpses of orc armies marching, which could be 
it looked like it was near or at Dol Guldur, but it could, you know, maybe it's Gundabad could be Gundabad, or it's heading yeah. for the Battle of Five Armies. But it's possible that maybe Sauron's at sort of a, a, a organizational stage that he's not ready to, to, to really, like, you know, Azog just shows up and Sauron's like, oh, hey, I'm... Oh, it's good to see you. I I was meaning to get in touch, um, and, and maybe he just kind of says, like, you know, I just kind of keep doing what you're doing. Um, I'm not going to interfere at this point. Maybe he's not ready to to incorporate Azog into his plans, or maybe Azog's already doing pretty much what what Sauron wants him to do anyway. So, yeah. So yep. all right, man, it's so tough. I I'm I'm really torn between. I'm convinced it's. I don't know. I don't think it's a. I I, I don't think. I think the Azog at the Dull Golder Lego set, like I don't think they added him randomly. I think they when they put a character in a set, I think they have at least some information that indicates that there's a connection. So I think I'm willing to willing to interpret the Lego set as Azog has some connection to Dull Goldor, might even be at a battle at Dull Goldor. But yeah. between B and C I'm really torn. Um I think I'm going with B. I, I really want to stick with the I like Azog free agent. I want him I want him to have his own agenda. I'm gonna say C. Um I agree with you. I think though that Azog in the end is likelier to be an uppity follower than a free agent. Um and I could see them trying to basically sort of milk a reveal here where like we've been led very strongly to believe in in film one. I mean, anybody who saw film one and hadn't read the books would could certainly be excused for thinking that Azog was the big bad guy of the movies. And for them right. to pull a thing in film two where it's suddenly revealed, actually, the guy you thought was the big bad guy is just the henchman of the really big bad guy. Um, and that guy is Sauron. Oh, and he's got the flame. What, you know, you know, and then let's flip the switch on the flaming eyeball. Oh, man. <laughs> like that. I could uh, see. Uh, so I that's the closing moment of this film or the next one, the, the uh, plugging the power back in on the flaming eyeball. That's right. You get one Fire of those up, like guys. get one of those like big oversized you switches, do. you know? Yeah, yeah and, and a nozzle with a tool belt on. We're <laughs> back in business. Somebody's got to do a cartoon. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> do we need to launch the poll? By the way, I see it's there, but it, I don't think it's operational. Yet. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I haven't answered yet. I have to. Okay, answer. You, you should answer. If I, we I've, launch it, it takes over the screen. I, I've oh, got to go in like five minutes, so Trish, you should answer, and we should launch the poll. Okay. Well, I was a C before Corey ever said anything. So people <laughs> say that I'm too easy and that Corey influences me, and I just want to make it clear that I was a C before Corey talked. <laughs> So yeah, but for the reasons you said, I think I think that the possibility of a reveal, I think, is is certainly on the table. So I'm gonna go see. Okay. 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 All right. So let's let's have the those of you uh, diligent and and highly vigilant people. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's launch it. Here it is. Okay. All right. Go ahead and vote. Those of you who are here. A, no explicit connection. B, orc leaders are coordinating, but are free agents. C, Sauron is the commander-in-chief. D, is Sauron's <laughs> will directly controlling them. Okay. It looks like everybody's voted, huh? Does it look like it? Oh, no, no. 
Somebody, somebody was thinking. No, no, we've got uh, only forty-two percent voting. Come on, everybody. Oh, this, okay. this is this is not binding. You can even change your answer later we on got if it you right want. Now? 44 plus 33 is 77. Yeah, I think we've got it now. You know, this is at, at, at the bottom. It tells you, though, how many people have voted. Only 47% oh, of the people have voted. 47%. There it is. Somebody's holding out. Uh-oh. It's okay. It's okay. It's stalled. Come on, people. <laughs> we're not ending the we're not ending this webinar, <laughs> webinar until everyone's voted. That's right. I'm going to leave my children waiting on the sidewalk just so that we can get your votes. Oh, uh, look. Uh, we're now. Oh, oh, see, it's edging ahead. This is so dramatic. I wish I wish there was a way to tell who has voted, which per people. It's just because Dave wants to personally browbeat you if you have yeah. voted against B. You better have voted, Michael Lucero. <laughs> Dave now trying to call out and bully individual people who are here in the session. Um, <laughs> File your vote, Diego. Brian Biggs, vote. Right, so again, the distinction is in B, the orc leaders are free agents, but they're coordinating with Sauron. Um, C, uh, Sauron is explicitly their commander. He is their general. They are taking orders from him. He is deploying them and sending them on missions and stuff. Okay. All right. Well, so C is definitely moving off into the lead here. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's it's getting an almost insurmountable lead. That's uh, true. That's true. Well, about half the votes were at, let's see, two thirds of people voted, so that's about uh, it's about fourteen or fifteen people. So it's got two thirds of those, or yeah. it's got half of those. So it's eh, actually not that. There's there's still more than enough people for a, one of the other answers. A plurality up. of people have uh, have voted for C. All right. Well, these are non-binding. We just wanted to see what you guys were thinking, and uh, we will um, uh, we will. Of course, post it uh, in our normal mechanisms, which we're in the process of attempting to improve. Um, but anyway, thanks, everybody. I've got to run uh, here this morning, so I'm going to have to say goodbye here. But um, uh, thanks for joining us again, especially as I totally forgot to post the link. So thanks for everybody who joined us for another almost entirely spontaneous episode of Riddles in the Dark. Uh, and we will, be, uh, we will be back again soon. The extended edition of Film... Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Riddles in the Dark, brought to you from the Mythgard Institute. And I am your co-host, Dave Kale, here as always with the Tolkien professor, Corey Olson and Trish Lambert. Today's topic on this most illustrious of all online Tolkien podcasts are fringe 